I wandered in the shades of night till Jesus came to me And with the sunlight of his love let all my darkness flee Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today There's sunlight, sunlight all along the way Since the Savior found me, took away may gather in the sky and billows round me roll however dark the world may be a sunlight in my soul sunlight sunlight in my soul today there's sunlight sunlight all along the way since the savior found me took away my sin i have had the sunlight of sweet communion find I press the holy figure on and leave the world behind sunlight sunlight in my soul today there's sunlight sunlight all along the way since the Savior found me took away my sin I have had the sunlight of his love the wide extended fields I journey o'er the plain and in the sunlight of his love I reap the golden grain sunlight sunlight in my soul today sunlight sunlight all along the way since the Savior found me took away my sin I have had the sunlight of Soon I shall see him as he is, the light that came to me. Behold the brightness of his face throughout eternity. Sunlight, sunlight in my soul today. Sunlight, sunlight all along the way. Since the Savior found me, took away my sin. Stand up, stay standing for a minute. I don't know Sue how to sing this. I just mentioned it to Becky. It ain't in the book. I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay. Doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack, yeah, sit on attack. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Sit on attack today. The passive on in my heart, down in my heart, down in. My heart, the peace.
peace that passes understanding down in my heart where down in my heart to stay and I'm so happy I'm so happy I've got the love of Jesus in my heart yes I'm so happy how oh, I'm so happy the love of Jesus in my heart all right thank you. when my heart is heavy my spirit is low the storms of life all round me roll. I call on the master who sits down his love and asks that we meet him and that home up above. Close to the master, I'm trying to live. Close to the one who loves and forgives. Close to the one who answers my prayers. Close to the one who welcomes me there. Oh, close to the master. discouraged and I 
God Well I know Just what To do I call on My master Who answers All my prayers And gives Me the key Praise God to my home because if you're trying, you're being fought. The enemy, you've got a real enemy out there this morning, and he's trying to discourage and defeat. Pastor doesn't know it, but joy of the Lord was on my heart this morning. And the thing of it was, as I was reading this week, so you, everybody has a devotion. And one of my devotion, my devotion that I read every day, Karen, it's holy ground that you bought me. And last month was Journey into the Wilderness. No, Journey into the Battlefield. This month is Journey into the Wilderness. But in the wilderness, you find joy because that's where God renews you and he strengthens you and he begins to restore you when you're in the wilderness where he can pay, where you will pay attention to him. And I got to thinking about Paul and Silas. They were bound up in a prison cell down in the pit. We sing about them all the time, but have you really thought about it? Have you really thought there they sit, their feet and their hands shackled on an old, I don't know what kind of floor, probably dirt, in the pit? And they begin to sing, and the joy of the Lord filled the place, and their shackles begin to fall off of them, and begin to fall off their hands and their feet, and it said that the jailer would have killed himself for fear that they all left. But they said, don't kill yourself. Don't do anything, because we're still here. And you know, I never noticed before, but when I read it the other day, it said, and the jailer walked in, and the first thing he said was, what do, must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? The joy of the Lord filled the place so greatly that they called out. He wanted to know Jesus for himself because he seen the joy that filled their hearts being shackled and bound up. Father, we thank you this morning that we can come into your house. Lord, let the joy of the Lord fill this place. For Lord, you said the joy of the Lord is our strength this morning. And Father, if we've ever needed time and joy and strength to fight the battle, it's today. Lord, help us this morning to stand in the gap for our brothers and our sisters. And Lord, more than anything, let us give you praise in the midnight hour, Father. Lord, when it seems the weakest in the darkest, let us call Call upon your name this morning, for Lord, there is joy in your presence, and it's everlasting to everlasting. 
blessing. We thank you this morning and we give you glory and we honor you this morning and we invite you into this place, Lord. Let us invite you into our hearts this morning in a greater measure, Father. We thank you this morning, God, and we give you praise this morning, Jesus. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And, 21, and all my life, I heard my dad talk about a special day, Amen. June 6, 1954. And my dad got saved that day, and it changed our family. It changed our lives, and I don't never want to forget it. I love him. I thank God for him. I thank the Lord for all the good things that he helped my dad to do. And I want to 
I want to honor him today because I feel like if there was anything anybody knew about my dad, he loved the Lord and he wanted to tell everybody about it. I think of Brother Huff standing up there in that flea market handing out cards telling people that to love Jesus and all that he had done for him. And I think about my dad and all the ones that's going on. And I just want to thank the Lord for keeping them all those years. And he's not forgotten anybody. The Lord knows everything that happens every day to each and every one of us. There's no computer on the earth that can do that. He knows everybody that's went on and he knows everybody that's coming and he knows everybody that's going to come. And he knows the path that you're going to take. He knows the story of your life. We only see a little piece of it, but God sees all of it. And I love him for that. I thank him. I heard a preacher this morning on the way here, and he was talking, and I thought of Brother Larry. I thought about how he was faithful no matter how bad Larry felt. I saw him sit there many weeks with his head down because he was in pain. But you know what? He still pressed on. He still came. He still tried to show people that God is bigger than any problem. I just love the Lord, and I want to thank him today. I saw something on HDTV last night about a girl that had cancer and she kept on running. She wouldn't give up. That's how I feel today. I'm not a runner. I've never been a runner, but I'm never giving up. I'm never giving up. As Grazi says, never. I just love him. I thank God for my life. I think we can have joy because we're never alone. And even when we feel discouraged, we're not alone. And anybody that tells you as a Christian that you don't ever get discouraged is not telling you the truth because you do. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord like David did and know that you're never alone no matter how you're feeling. When I walk through deep waters, I know that you will be with me and when I'm standing in the fire I will not be overcome through the valley of the shadow oh
my strength, you're my defender, you're my refuge in the storm. And through these trials, you've always been faithful. Oh, no. 
supposed to be some about 3 o'clock today.
Father for them because they need us. They need our prayers. I can tell you that I had a good report this last week, but can I tell you, it was the spirit of the prayers of the people and I felt it all, all week. I kept telling myself it must be that God's doing something for somebody else. I just kept checking myself Aaron, I kept checking myself and saying, what am I sick for, Lord? What is this problem I got? And I kept blaming it on, you know, well, God, maybe you're showing somebody else something. But God spoke to me this last week, and he set my heart straight, and he set my faith straight. And I said to myself, God, I'm not pushing it off on nobody else. You sometimes set me off your knee. And you tell me walk by faith. Now, I'm supposed to walk by faith all the time. All of us are. But can I tell you, I was kept waiting on God to tell me. So I'm feeding God what I want him to say, and I'm feeding him what my doubts are. 
And I'm feeding him that, that maybe this is happening. Maybe you're done with me. Maybe I'm leaving here. Maybe this, maybe that. I'm giving him all the doubts that I can come up with and all the reasoning. Then I, all of a sudden, somebody mentioned the other night, Maria did, about, the, about Job. And I realized, you know what? Job didn't hear a thing. But Job still kept his integrity and he held on to God. And I, you know what God was telling me? Get your mind off yourself and put your faith in me. And you know what? I go to the doctor and he tells me, take an aspirin. And I thought, how, how innocent and how small. And I don't know if I need the aspirin. But the truth is, I'm going to take it like he told me. If you got your Bible, I've been studying something all week. And I want to talk to you about it because I think sometimes we come to church and we think we've heard everything. How many has been in church a long time and you've heard preach everything? You can hear people tell it their way, that way, this way. You've heard every, seem like every page in the Bible. But I want to tell you something, and this is the way God showed it to me this week, and it stuck in me. And I know it's been on my mind all week, been in my heart, and I pray, oh God, help me say it the way you said it. Help me say it the right way. But I want you to listen to this. In, I'm just going to use a couple of verses, three or four verses here to start. But I want to tell you something about something. It says, if the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you're free indeed. How many knows that scripture? It's in John 8, 36. If the Son shall, shall therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. How many knows when you got saved, you were set free? Now you may say to yourself, now that old devil and that old flesh is hanging on to me all the time. He's not going to leave you alone to the day you leave here. But I'll still tell you, Jesus sets me free. And one of the things that God said to me to start this thing with was freedom. Now, I'm going to change the whole subject here in a few minutes, but I want you to hear about the freedom because if you're free, don't let the devil talk you out of being free. You're free. I don't care how much he hinders you. I don't care how much the world hinders you. I don't care how much the news hinders you or your children hinder you or whatever, your wife, your husband, whoever it is. Listen to me. You're free in him. What am I free of? I'm free. I don't have to sin no more. I can raise up and go and serve God every day. Hey, listen to what I'm telling you because that's who we are. In 2 Corinthians 3, 17, Now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty. Freedom. So tell me something. What does that tell you? You need to walk in the spirit of God. Quit trying to please your flesh all the time. Walk in the presence of God. Walk in his spirit. Be spiritually minded about things. I know they'll tell you you're no earthly good. Well, I'm not trying to be earthly good. I'm trying to follow him because I can't make myself good. That only comes by him. But where the spirit of the Lord is, when you feel the presence of God here today, guess what? There's liberty in the house. There's freedom in the house. You may be sitting there bound. You may be sitting there in sin. But can I tell you, there's freedom in this house today. 
It ain't because of who we are. It's because of who he is. It's only that we accept him and what he has given us. In Galatians 5, listen to this, Christian. It says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. That means don't go pick up your old ways and don't go back to your old friends. If your old friends know anything, know you got something and they don't have it. So if they treat you funny, just expect it. And you're either going to convince them or you're going to go back to them. So you have to make up your mind. I'm free and there ain't nobody taking my freedom from me. And on, in, on down in Galatians 5.13, Paul said this, he said, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for occasions of the flesh, but by love serve one another. Uh-oh. You mean it ain't about me? You mean I ain't supposed to serve myself? You mean I'm not supposed to always think about what I want? I'm supposed to be a child of God. A Christian should be ready to serve. I've been freed to serve other people. You may say, well, you're the preacher. You're supposed to serve me. No, I ain't. I'm just a Christian first. And I got to walk this. And I got to live this. And so do you. And if you're going to show Christ, you will. In James, the first chapter, James said it this way. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own self. For if the any man... Or if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face in a glass. Talking about looking in a mirror. How many of you ever looked in a mirror? Praise God. Did you see anything you liked? <laughs> when you look in that mirror and you walk away and you say, oh, yeah, I, was, I look pretty good. This, my hair's all right. This, all, my makeup's all right. Everything's going on. Not me. Women. The makeup's on right, everything looks good. But did you know if you're looking, this is what this is talking about. If you look at the fact that I'm a child of God and I'm free, guess what you'll do? You're just a hearer of that and you don't apply it to your life, guess what you're going to do? It's like you forget who you are. That's why we need to be reminded. Don't you know you need to be reminded, I need to be reminded that I'm free. Amen. Devil's a liar. Yes. He's going to tell me I'm still bound. But I'm telling you, I'm free. I don't deserve to be free, but I'm free. And I ain't going to look at myself and say, yeah, I can look back and I can say I did this and I did that for God. I've done this. And you know what? God will show you. He'll bless you. He'll, he'll fix your life. He'll heal you, set you up, and make you a child of God. And everybody will look at you and say, wow, that man's a man of God. That woman's a woman of God. But you can walk away and forget who you are. Walking in this world, you'll forget it. And that's what he's talking about. It says it in 25, but whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty, that freedom, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deeds. You want to be blessed in what you do for God? Don't forget whose you are. And don't forget the freedom that he gave you to walk in. Praise God. Second, 1 Peter 2. Then I'm going to change the subject. 1 Peter 2, verse 15 says, For so is the will of God that with, uh, with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. 
but as servants of God. If we'll live the true Christian life, Christian, listen to me. If you live it, you'll put the silence, you'll put to silence the foolish people. You know what? They can't handle a true Christian. Our, our government don't know what to do with us. Our government don't know what to do with you when you come up and say, I'm praying for you. I love you. I enjoy praying for you. I want to help you. They can't handle that. It's got to be a program. It's got to be something you do in the flesh. No, this is a spiritual work. This is something Jesus set us free to love people, to work at this. Now I want to turn to Galatians chapter 5. I want to turn back there and I want you to listen to this. You heard it all your life, but you're going to hear it one more time. Listen to this. Chapter 5, verse 22 of Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there's no law. I thought about that, and I thought, Lord, number one, I want you to see that it doesn't say fruits. It's not plural. It's singular. Just like when you have evidence or fruit of the Spirit of God, guess what's going to come out of you? There, God's going to show people that you love. You got that agape love inside of you. You got joy. We saw joy here today. We saw peace here today. Did you know you'll have long-suffering inside of you? The fruit of the Spirit is all nine of them together. Think about it. They're all nine one. Jesus is, Jesus is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's three in one. Well, I'm going to tell you the Spirit is going to portray, it's going to reveal those around you. And how are we different than other people? We'll love, we'll have joy, we'll have peace, we'll have long-suffering, we'll have gentleness, sometimes that's hard to do. We'll have goodness, we'll have faith, we'll have meekness, and then that last one. That last one's a tough one, because the last one's what I want to talk about. The last one's called temperance. Temperance called self-control. Now look out, Christian. It's a biggie. You think it don't mean nothing? You wonder why God put something like that? The Holy Spirit put something like that? Is that's an evidence of the Spirit? Because Christians are to walk with self-control. Be careful, because I can tell you right now, you get on 71 going to, going to work, and they'll set you, they'll find out if you've got any self-control. And my wife reminds me all the time on the back of my car, it says, God's in control. You put that on the back of your car, look out what you do. Because that's what they see when you fly by. And then you're embarrassed. You're hoping they don't catch you, catch up with you. But I begin to read that. And I begin to, temperance means self-control. Listen to what I'm telling you. Temperance is self-control. It means to master the desires and the appetites and the passions. And it means to be strong, controlled, and restrained. Boy, if we ever needed restraint today, because we got Christians doing everything the world's doing, and they don't think there's nothing wrong with it. Well, let me tell you something. If you got the Spirit of God in you, He's going to correct you. 
And you ain't revealing Christ when you think you can do anything the world's doing and get away with it because you don't represent God when you do that. I listened to Maria this morning. Maria was teaching today. Where you at, Maria? She, she left. Well, good, I can talk about her. Oh, there she is, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll still talk about you. But Maria said something. She brought up the 14th chapter of Genesis and she talked about Abraham and how the king of Sodom wanted to give him the goods of what they had won the war for, won the battle for. And Abraham said something that I first thing I thought of when you said that is, oh, I would to God we had leaders that would do what Abraham said. I don't want the riches of China. I don't want the riches of Russia. I don't want the riches of any other country. Let me tell you something, what I want. I want the riches of what God's going to do in me. Let me be prosperous in him. I don't want to be. And that's been the problem with our leaders. They run over, oh, we got to make good deals. We got to take in China and everything they believe. We got to trust everything they're doing. We got to let them have freedom to do what they want to in our country. And it's destroying our country. We're opening the door to everything the devil wants to do. And he's got free range to bring them in. And you know what? You can say we're a land of diversity all you want to. But I'll tell you right now, we're a land that's supposed to win people to Jesus Christ. Because that's who we were built on. And when we start doing that, look out, world. Because I can tell you right now, we'll have leaders that'll say... I don't want none of your blessings. I don't want none of you. I don't want you to stand over and think you gave me anything. Because that's what Abraham said. And I thought, what a leader. Oh, God, give us some leaders like that. Give us some leaders that will stand up and say, I don't want nothing you got. I'll help you because I'll, I'll, I'll love you. I'll pray for you. I'll help you to be the best you can be. But the truth is, I'm not looking for you for my prosperous. My will be bloomed in him or I ain't got no blooming. All of it's fake and you'll leave it behind. The last verse I want to read at Galatians 5 is 24. It says, they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Listen to me, Christian. If you're going to live this Christian life and you're going to have the fruit of the spirit, you can't just put it on and play a fake game with people. You can act like you love people, but your actions speak louder than your words. And the Spirit of God cannot be working in you if you don't truly love people, if you're not truly gentle and kind. And it ain't easy, because I tell you, that's a challenging job. And that self-control is hard to do. It's hard to keep it going. You can do good one day, down the road, there'll be another, and the devil will set another trap. You can be good one day and say, you don't know what I did before. Boy, before I really did good. You know what? The devil's got plans for you tomorrow. You've got to stay in the Spirit of God. You've got to walk in the fruit of the Spirit of God. He says you're to crucify the affections and the lust. If you don't crucify that which leads you away from him, away from walking with him, guess what? You're going to find yourself in trouble. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You got your Bible. I know I'm jumping around, but you're gonna, I'm going to land some here in a minute. It says 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25. Listen to what Paul said to Corinthians. And every man that strives for the mastery, 
is temperate. There's that temperate. That means he's controlled. You know what he's doing here? Listen. It says that he's, he's temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I think Bobby brought this up a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, preaching. But it's like an athlete that works to master his skills. He's working all the time to be his very best. Listen to me, Christian. You're to work at the Spirit of God. You're to work to allow him to put you aside and let him use you. And he's saying to be temperate in all things. That means be self-controlled in all things. Don't allow the enemy or somebody to pull you off being self-controlled. Because, see, God has plans for you. Everywhere he sends you, every valley you go through, every mountaintop you fight over, everything you're facing, guess what? You need to have your self-control. I have got the Spirit of God with me, and no matter if the devil, if the if the doctor tells me I'm dying, I say, you know what? I belong to Jesus. So if I die, I belong to him. I'm doing his way no matter what you say. And I really haven't got my faith in you. I got my faith in him. Amen. And you'll have to make up your mind because every one of us here, I don't care what your age is, you're going to face the day when the doctor doesn't give you good news. Where's your faith at? Where is the Spirit of God inside of you? Where is the control? Are you going to be mad at the doctor because you're sick? Are you going to be mad because he's not the best that can fix you? Get over it. We're going home someday. We're not home yet. I'm not mad at nobody. Just telling you what it is. It says in 26, he says, If therefore so run, I there so for run, not as an uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beats the air, but listen to this, but I keep under my body and bring into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. How many knows? You know what he's telling you? This t temperate spirit of the, of the, that's in there, that fruit of the spirit of temperate, of being in self-control, you got to exercise it. Just like that athlete, you got to exercise it. And if you don't exercise it, you're going to lose your cool. You know, you're going to lose your way because the devil's too powerful for you. You need the power and the presence and the freedom of Christ inside to say, what, devil? My God's in control. You ain't in control. The Holy Spirit will hold me in his arms. He'll come around, fill me up, and let me know I'm yours, God. Don't worry about it. In 1 Corinthians 7, two chapters back, there's one verse there I wanted to read. It says, listen to, listen to what I'm going to tell you now, because you ain't going to like it. It says, Paul said to the unmarried and the widows. It'll get quiet, I know it will. The believer is to control sexual desires. Paul says, but if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it's better to marry than to burn. I didn't say it. You put it on Paul. Don't blame me. But I'm going to tell you something, Mother. If you can't stay away from each other, keep your hands off each other, and keep from being intimate when you ain't married, guess what? You need to go ahead and get married. Sorry. I'll leave that alone. But let me tell you, something. that's part of self-control. That's part of restraining yourself, ain't it? Ain't that part of restraining yourself? 
See, the Spirit of God inside of me tells me. And you know what? If you knew what the world's doing, you'll just say, ah, well, I'll just try it away. Who cares? I've had people tell me, as long as I have the feeling the right way, it don't matter if I got the piece of paper or not. And I said, I don't got no side thing, side notes on the side of God's word that says it's okay. Sorry, you're going to have to handle that with God. And I'm not picking nobody. I'm trying to tell you, walk with him and walk in him and walk with his spirit and walk with his word. Don't come looking for some way to get around it. It ain't going to work. I, I know I got to face that. So do you. I want you to turn now to Jeremiah 35. I'm going to tell you a story you probably never read. Most of you. Some of you read it, but I'm going to tell you a story you never read. Who's never heard of the No? Nobody? Well, they're there. Jeremiah, in the 35th chapter, he was told by the Lord. Now, listen to what I'm telling you. He was told by the Lord, I want you to go out and get these Rechabites, and I want you to bring them into the house of God. Why would God do that? Here's what else he told him. And I want you to set them down right where the house of God is and in front of all the house of, of the God's people. And I want you to set before them wine and cups to drink it with. You say, God wouldn't do that. We ain't really for drinking, are we? God wouldn't do that. Let me tell you what God's doing. God's speaking to his people. He's speaking to Israel. Israel could not control themselves. They had no control. Everything the world was doing, they had to reach out and say, yeah, I got to have that. And somebody said, that's the best. I got to have that one. No, I better go get this one. They say this one's better. We ain't got no control. Let me tell you what God is telling. He's telling Jeremiah, the prophet, set these people before our people. Set them before Israel. I want to show them something. And he goes on and he does it. Jeremiah does it. It says, verse 5, I set before, verse 5 of Jeremiah 35. He says, I set before the sons of the house of the Rechabites pots full of wine and cups, and I said to them, drink ye wine. But they said, we will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, Listen to this. He commanded us saying, you shall not drink wine, neither shall your sons forever. How many honors their parents? Praise God. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Let me tell you something. These people, they were nomads. They were people that lived off the land. They didn't, he told them on down here, he says, Neither build you, neither shall you build house, nor sow seed, nor plant vineyard, nor any have any, but all your days you shall dwell in tents, that you may live many days in the land whereof you be strangers. Then he says, Thus have we obeyed the voice of Jonah and Rug, uh, son of Rechab, our father. So have we obeyed our father. Listen to what I'm telling you. God's saying this. Why is God saying this? He wants his people to understand 
these Rechabites that you may think are nobody, they honored their father. They heard his words. They've lived their whole life refusing to do anything that their father commanded them to do. But you, Israel, won't listen to your heavenly father. You don't listen to what I'm telling you because you won't return to me as many times and as many prophets I've sent to you. You won't return to me. How many says what I'm telling you? There is a restraint that you can do it or you cannot do it. You either say, I don't want to live like, they might sing something with a banjo. I don't want to do nothing like that. Don't tell me nothing about the old gospel. I want something new. I want something fresh. I want something that fits me. Get over yourself. This gospel's alive. When you get alive, when you get alive inside and you come free in Christ, guess what you'll do? You'll walk in this church just like you do a lot of time, but the next time, if you're free, you walk in here and the Spirit of God begins to move, all of a sudden, something inside of you says, I gotta get up. I gotta stand up and praise God. I gotta be happy. I got joy inside of me. Something that wasn't there is there now. I mean, here's what I'm telling you. And I used to at Asbury when I got saved, this was my praise. But now I don't care. Praise God, I don't care. I don't do it like you. I'm not trying to impress nobody. But praise God, he set me free. I'm free, so are you. Don't put it on. Just let, it, let God do in you what he wants to do. Make yourself be happy in God. Have the joy of the Lord inside of you. All right, I'm going to go and skip down to verse 13 of 35. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, go and tell the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instructions to hearken to my word, says the Lord? See, Israel wouldn't listen. He wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen to God. The words of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, that he commanded his sons not to drink wine are performed. For unto this day they don't drink. They drink none. But obey their father's command from a long time ago. Listen to what I'm telling you. These people were dedicated to be who they were supposed to be. And can I tell you, God's going to bless them in the end for it. You may think that that was terrible for Jeremiah to set wine in front. But God said, I'm going to show you off, Rechabites. I'm going to show you my people and show you what these people, they ain't even called my people, but you are, but you won't listen to God. Now, let me tell you something. America is in the same shoes. America won't listen to what the Spirit of God is telling it to do because he's been preaching, repent to us. Not me, he has been preaching, repent, children of God, and get back to walking in the Spirit of God. Draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. That's what he's been telling us. But are we doing that? No, we're hoping Trump comes back. Or we're and I pray he does. I'm sorry, you might think I'm a... Uh, should give up, but I don't give up. I still got my flags hanging out. I told, I told my neighbor across the street, he's, he's a veteran, he's got his flag out all the time. I said, hey, you're going to see my flag out until Trump either gets back or they declare it dead or something. Because I'd rather he come back. 
but it ain't because I got my faith in Trump. My faith's in him. And I believe God sent him there, but I also know God's not going to do anything. He's not going to send us leaders if we ain't going to follow them. He's not going to send us leaders that we won't even stand up for. Why would he put fathers before us that we never listen to? But then the Lord says, I have spoken to you. I have sent also unto you all my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them, saying, Return ye now every man from his evil way. Amend your doings and go not after the other gods to serve them. And you shall dwell in the land which I have given to you and to your fathers. But you, listen to this, but you, but have, ye have not inclined your ear nor hearkened unto me. Isn't that sad for God to say? Can you imagine getting on your knees say, Lord, I need a real good car. I need a blessing. I need you to give me the best job in the world. And the Lord says, but you don't hearken to me. What a rebuke. You won't listen when I tell you to do something. You reject everything I put you in that I want to use you. You reject me. But yet you want all the blessings. God was wanting, he's wanting to bless America again. Not because of what we do, but just turning our faith to him and saying, Lord, I trust you. He goes on to say, because the sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have performed the commandment of their father, which commanded, which he commanded them, but this people hath not hearkened to me, hearkened unto me. Therefore, verse 17, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken to them, but they have not heard. And I have called unto them, but they have not answered. Hear what I'm telling you, Christian. I'm talking to you personal. It's time you get on your knees and you begin to say, God, I listen to you now. Give me, Lord, opportunity. Give me space to repent. Because I want to repent and I want to turn back to you. And I want to walk this where I'm supposed to walk. And I want to tell everybody that I meet, Jesus made me free. He loves me. He set me free. I'm a child of the king. I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But you can have it too. Don't you know that's what the world's waiting on somebody? They looking for a leader. I tell you who the leader is. His name's Jesus. They just don't see him. They don't know he'll do the work in them that he can do. But they'll see it in you. You're the only Bible they get to read. You're the only example they see. Come on back up, Becky. In Daniel, the first chapter, and you have heard this story many times, just a couple verses, and I'm done. But I want you to hear it. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Now, I want you to understand something. Daniel's a young man. Teenagers, listen to me. I don't care what age you are. You can make this same commitment. 
I refuse to defile myself with what this world says. I will turn to God and I will hold on to him whether five men want to marry me and they're the wrong people. I'm not going there. Not unless God says it's okay. Boy, that's serious, ain't it? Hey, I'm sorry. It's this way, but it's the truth. God wants you to walk where he says walk. God has plans for you. But he expects you to hear his word and to repent and to go forward with him. So Daniel, in the fifth verse of the first chapter of Daniel, he said, and the king appointed them a provision, a daily provision. This is talking about King Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel and the Hebrew children, the young men, brought into bondage. They were brought into the kings because they were wise young men, but they were, they were good in school. I'll put it that way. They had a great knowledge of things. And Nebuchadnezzar wants to bring them in and work on them and turn them into good little Nebuchadnezzars. Okay, that's what he wants to turn them into. But he says, the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat. Oh, you mean I get to eat the king's meat? I get to eat what the king eats? Golly, that's pretty good bondage. Put me in the bondage. I'll get to eat what the king eats. Then he says, and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years and at the end of thereof, that they might stand before the king. Then it talks about the three Hebrew children. But listen to Daniel in the eighth verse. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. That's pretty bold for a young man. That's pretty bold for a young teenage boy. I ain't going to eat that food. I don't want to defile myself with the king's meat. You give me that pulse. You give me that bread, that stuff that, that we'll eat, and I promise you we'll, me and the th three Hebrew children, will be, we will stand out as some, probably they've been in, in the siege where they hadn't ate and all a lot of stuff when they got in the bondage but here they come and now they're put before the king's meat they say no we want to stay with what God told us to eat and we'll be healthier and we'll be healthier looking to the king than all the rest and a 10 day trial went on and they, they did they come out and the king and the eunuch had God had gave great favor to Daniel with the eunuch the head of the eunuchs I'm telling you for a reason Daniel restrained himself. Daniel says, no, I don't go that way. Christian, listen to me. We have too many Christians going the way the world's going. We have to step up and say, you know what? I don't go that way. I can tell my children not to go that way, but can I tell you something? I had to tell myself a long time ago. I've been fighting this battle because the enemy tells me, oh, yeah, I ought to have a little bit of that, or I ought to have a little bit of that. I deserve it. I ought to be rich. I ought to have a nice house. Everybody else is having one. No, you know what? I don't need nothing but him. And I need to hear what he says. And he's not going to tell me, go out and build you the nicest, biggest house so you can live comfortable by yourself somewhere. God don't want me there. And I'm not picking on you. If you've got a nice house, i got a nice house. But can I tell you something? I want God in my life more than anything.
I said it before, my kids don't even want to clean up my mess when I leave. They don't want to come over and go through my junk that I've been saving for them that don't mean nothing to them because it's junk. They really don't care, can I tell you? I don't even have to ask them, I know they don't care. I knew it because when, when my father and mother got sick and we had to move them out of Northside, I said something to them about coming down and helping pack some stuff away and, and helping carry stuff out. And, and one of them said, uh, Dad, we'll just back a dumpster up and we'll throw it all in the dumpster. <laughs> and I just looked at him real politely and I said, boys, just stay home. Because <laughs> you'll hurt my mom and dad's feelings. Mom and dad had every little bitty plaque we bought where we worked on in school, everything we ever had. My sister Jane would go through it and she'd give us stuff all the time. This is what your name was on this. This was, and you wouldn't believe Mark even, Mark got a paper just about what, a month ago, and it shows where he got operated on when he was four years old, four or five years old. <laughs> Mom still had the paper, showed the bill. You think Mom didn't love her kids? She did. You think God don't love us? He knows what treasure you're setting up and where you're setting it at. It's time to draw close to God. It's time to make a commitment and say, Lord, I'm going to walk in the presence of God. I'm going to walk in the fruit of your spirit. I'm going to allow my life to be the fruit of your spirit. Everywhere I go, I'm going to love people that's so unlovable, so easy to hate, so easy to dislike. But I'm going to love them. And I'm going to have joy in my life, no matter what the circumstances. And I'm going to have peace. I'm going to have a rest inside of me. And I'm going to have long-suffering. I'm going to suffer whatever it takes. I'm going to suffer it. You know what, sometimes we just, we spout off the, I say all these things, it's so hard to do it yourself, to follow through with it. Can I tell you, I know the devil will fight me tooth and nail, but can I tell you, that's what God was showing me. We have got to get into the presence of God and walk this out. Don't just talk about how good it sounds. Walk it out in your life and see what God, God will begin to bloom you. He'll begin to bless you. Not necessarily in money, not necessarily in things like that, but he will bloom you in him. And all of a sudden, people will say, I'll go talk to him because I know he'll pray for me. I'll go talk to him because he loves me in spite of all my faults. See, that's who we're supposed to be, representatives of Christ. Praise God. Everybody stand if you will. Drinking is a bad, a subject usually is hardly ever brought up by preachers. Now, I just brought that up about the Rechabites. And if you're a drinker in here, I'm sorry. Okay, I probably offended you. But I'm going to tell you what God's Word says. And it ain't just Old Testament. In the New Testament, Paul made a statement. In the 14th chapter of Romans, he said, It is good neither to eat flesh nor to drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Is your Christianity that serious? Are you saying to yourself, I don't want to offend somebody? 
I'm not, you know how many cries we got of people standing on their rights? I got the right to be this. I got a right to be that. You got a right to go against everything God told you. Well, let me tell you something. That ain't the rights that God set you free for. I got freedom, but I got freedom with restraints because the Spirit of God's inside of me, and it tells me my Heavenly Father says, don't go there. I mean, here's what I'm saying. It supplies to you, same as it does me. If you think I'm trying to walk a perfect walk just because I'm the pastor here, you're wrong. I'm trying to walk this walk because I want to please Him. I want to love Him. I don't want Him ever to turn away and not be able to trust me. He put me here. I want to hold on to it because the devil's trying to steal it from me. I ain't nobody, but praise God, I'm somebody in Him. And you're somebody in Him. No matter who you are, no matter what was yesterday, tell the devil he's a liar and say, I belong to Jesus. My faith's in Him and the Spirit of God is inside of me. And I don't have to be backwards to nobody. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation. Praise God. He's the power that heals. He's the power that delivers. And that's only part one of that. Tonight I'm going to do part two. I ain't never wrote down part two, but I wrote part two on this paper. And I know you don't want me to get into it, but you have to come back to hear the rest of it. Thank you for his love. All the examples in his word, from the old to the new, they all fit together. It's God's way of saying, I love you. Don't you trust me? Don't you know I provided all the things you need to live for me? But all you got to do is return to me. If you don't return to me, you can't find this great peace, this great joy, this great you won't know why the people are rejoicing if you don't know him. So while they say, I want the Christians to pray. And I want you to come if you need to pray. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you come. If you're not committed to him, commit yourself. Quit worrying about what the world's doing. Begin to put first things first priority of putting Christ first in your life.